0: Hello, and welcome to the summer edition of the Small Nonprofit Podcast, where we're bringing back some of our community's favorite episodes that you need to listen to before we move on to our fall season. And I'm so excited to bring you uh, this week's sponsor, Imagine Canada. And representing Imagine Canada is Bruce McDonald, President and CEO. Welcome, Bruce.
1: Well, glad to be here. Thanks very much.
0: It's my pleasure. And this week, your sort of lens, I think, in picking these two episodes, the other we're recording with one of your volunteers, but the lens is really about your product or something. I would call it your gift to our sector of HR intervals, um, which we'll talk a little bit about at the end or as we introduce the podcast, but it's so worth mentioning. We've had you on the podcast talking about this before. It is uh, sort of a one-stop, shop for all things HR, completely free, um, and just an incredible tool for our sector. So before we dive in, just thank you for doing that. It's so wonderful.
1: Our absolute pleasure. Uh, Clearly, the the importance of focusing on the people in our sector is critical, and having a resource like this to support, in particular, small and mid-sized organizations to do that, it's it's, you know, it's our pleasure, but it's also our mandate. So if it's mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly.
0: Exactly. Now you picked a fabulous episode that I think is so important. It's um, called young and diverse and it's the new workforce with Tamara Balan and Barira CL and tell me why you picked this episode or what you loved about this episode.
1: Well first of all the timeliness of the conversation and the really innovative ideas that are part of this this podcast episode i think are even more important now you know as we are seeing the the length of the pandemic continue to go on now layered on top of that are inflationary pressures challenges in relation to the attraction retention of staff for organizations is mounting and I think being able to have a conversation around this new workforce and how our organizations positioning themselves as competitors, employers of choice for young people is something that everybody needs to hear and everybody needs to think about.
0: Hmm. I think that's so important. And, you know, you mentioned a couple general social pressures, but the world right now is, is not an easy place to be in. And I think especially for young people who are just... Um, navigating through and kind of of feels like they've been dealt a pretty difficult card. Um, What were some of the takeaways or highlights, you know, aside from becoming employer of choice, what were some of the practical tips you found um, shared in this episode that you would reinforce or prepare people to pay attention to as they listen?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, it's, it was interesting hearing the perspectives that were brought in the podcast around what young employees are looking for Mm -hmm. and how it is incumbent upon leadership, much of which might fall more into my generation to be responding to everything from coaching and mentoring to development, to flexibility, all of those aspects, if they have been sort of back burner turned down low, need to be moved to the front and turned up high because it'll be challenging for our sector to compete with the private sector, if it's just a straight out competition on wages, Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. need to be able to offer mission, cause, and passion, but with an array of opportunities around these other things that I just mentioned that will allow organizations to stand out in the field.
0: Yeah. And I think um, that's one of the most, you and I have talked about that before and we've had these conversations, you know, people are not just looking for compensation. Absolutely. It's one factor, but we have a, some advantages as the sector uh, in providing meaningful workplaces, but culture and uh, growth and all of those other factors do weigh very heavily. And, um, you know, I'll we'll, we'll transition this into a plug for HR intervals because, again, it's not about your budget. It's about all the things you're doing. So, This is a free resource. Again, you're not constrained by the financial situation of your organization. And there's so many resources to help you build the environment in which your staff can both thrive and do well uh, for your clients and community, but also for themselves. So tell us, as we transition to the episode, tell us a little bit about HR Intervals.
1: Yeah, well, and there's a nice... uh... Kind of a, a nice bridging between the podcast and HR intervals. There was a great resource around a self-assessment tool that was discussed in the podcast um, in relation to uh, you know building a, a workplace that is both more diverse and appealing to younger people. So I think that's a great resource that's there. In terms of HR intervals, of course, for us, this is, as you mentioned, sort of a one-stop shop center for people to go on different things uh, in relation to how they are managing the people and talent in their organization. So whether it's sample job descriptions, thoughts around succession planning, developing a job, posting. And then we were really pleased in, in May to be able to upload an entirely new section uh, on HR policies. So sample mm-hmm. policies that if you're thinking about, whether it's disconnecting from work or complaints policies, any of those types of things, instead of having to start from scratch, now you can go to HR intervals, get samples, use that as a template to start and customize it for your own organization. And there's more new content coming in both the third and fourth quarters.
0: Uh. So amazing. So thank you to Imagine Canada for both HR Intervals and for sponsoring this week of the podcast uh, summer series. And to you, our listeners, uh, take notes. This episode is so important right now. And, um, you know, your greatest resource is your staff or your people. And so now is the time to really make sure you're investing in that. Absolutely.
1: So as you are enjoying the summer and uh, just catching a break, here's a great podcast to to, to sort of recharge the batteries with.
0: Thanks, Bruce.
1: Thank you. And have a great summer to everyone.
0: I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and you're listening to the Small Nonprofit Podcast, where we bring you practical down-to-earth advice on how to get more done for your small nonprofit. You are going to change the world we're here to help. I'm so delighted to have on the podcast uh, Tamara and Barira from Civic Action from their Hire Next program because they're going to talk about this and they're going to talk about how you can hire young people, um, retain diverse young talent in a meaningful way and by understanding what they're looking for and how they can help you and your organization fulfill their mission, because I think this is one of the most aligned generations when it comes to mission fulfillment. That is what they're looking for. Birira SCL supported Civic Action's Hire Next initiative as a project coordinator and analyst. In this role, she researched the challenges small and medium enterprises face. As Civic Action's first COO, Tamara Balin works closely with senior management to build and implement internal processes and integrate tools that help Civic Action launch new initiatives that address tough issues urban regions face. Over the years, Tamara has helped to evolve Civic Action's operating model from a startup to a more mature, sustainable organization. She sits on the board of Why Not Theater, an agile international theater company based rooted in the values of innovation, community, and collaboration. She holds a bachelor's degree in urban studies and political science from the University of Toronto. In 2012, Tamara was named a vital person by the Toronto Community Foundation. Barira and Tamara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be talking to you about Civic Actions Program Hire Next. Uh, Let's get started by just telling us a little bit about what the program
2: is. Amazing. Thank you. Hire Next is a tool that we've designed to help employers get to the best young talent Canada has to offer. Are employers struggling with that? You bet. (laughs) We've done surveys. We continue to see studies. We continue to see reports that there may be as many uh, as 30% of employers um, that struggle to fill their entry-level roles, mm. And if they're not struggling to fill them, then they're working hard to keep great talent in the organization.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the, before we talk about the solutions, some of the underlying challenges when it comes to, and, and who are we talking about when we're talking about, you know, younger generations is that, you know, millennials are not really, That young anymore. So, but I think we all think of millennials as the, you know, hard to hire, hard to keep uh, generation. And I don't know if that's true anymore. But uh, what, what are we talking about? And what are some of those, what are those challenges look like on a day to day basis?
3: So I think we, what we are talking about is people that are at the beginning of their career. So it would be somebody that has just finished up high school or has one to two years of experience and is really looking to break into the labor market. Mm-hmm. So it would be with entry level roles. And what we found is that often uh, there are uh, there's kind of miscommunications in terms of challenges, not having the experience of being in, in the workplace before there the. There's a gap between what employers are looking for and what young people expect the workplace to look like. So what we're really doing is kind of bridging that gap, closing the opportunity gap that exists between employers and young people and making sure that we educate both sides on what can be done better to make sure that young people are able to enter the labor market and not only that, but have access to experiences that will continue to keep get them ahead of the curve and uh, stay uh, contributing members of the workforce.
0: Amazing. So let's say our listeners don't have access to y- your programs because uh, they're across the country or what have you. Um but they have young people in their work environment and they're trying to attract them. What are some tools we can give them? I want to talk about that side of the equation first because it's sort of two sides of the same coin, right? One is working with the employee and one is working with the employer. So starting with the employee, how do we set uh, this generation up for success in the workplace? What are some things that that we can make available to them to help set and manage their expectations, give them the tools to be successful on the job?
3: Mm -hmm. That's a great question because you're right. It is two sides of the coin. If we are providing resources to employers, we have to do the same for young people as well. So here at Quick Action, we are actually working on a project called Youth Connect where we offer free LinkedIn learning licenses to youth. Um, that are between the ages of 18 to 29. So uh, it is being offered to young people that are a bit further away from the uh, labor market, that could be racialized youth or immigrant youth. Um, and what we do is give them access to some courses on Foundational skills and basic expectations of the workplace as well. So, what are the things that you need to know to be able to better communicate with your coworkers, to communicate with your bosses? What are the expectations of uh, at the first day on the job? What can we offer so that you are more prepared for that? And then, vice versa, we have. Uh, resources available for employers as well as what can you do to make sure that young people are onboarded before their first day? How can you let them know about the workplace culture so that they come in more prepared and more understanding of what the first day on the job would look like?
0: Mm-hmm. Let's dive into that a bit because I think that predominantly, we're going to be like, we're talking to in this podcast, people who are on that side of the coin. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that onboarding process. What can it look like to better set us up for a positive uh, experience for both the employee and the employer?
2: I think as breer mentioned, it starts before that first day, right? right? Yeah. For one person that hasn't worked in the specific organization, or frankly, uh, any organization similar to to the one that they're about to start in, um, they're going to have a lot of questions about the culture, the expectations, Mm -hmm. the norms, the schedule, the flexibility. So if that information can be provided in advance, in a bit of an introduction, and and I think format is where we can get really creative. It can certainly be in a manual, but increasingly, whether it's a video introduction of the company, there are lots of um, easy, quick ways to describe what can be expected on that first day so that someone... Um, preparing for it can feel really excited and confident about that Mm -hmm. before they even arrive. And then on the first day, there are such great little ways to welcome a new team member. And we are ourselves a small organization and have been working to improve and add and build our onboarding process so that, that we support someone in those first few days, which are so critical. Mm-hmm. Things like things like um, assigning an onboarding buddy to help them meet everyone in their workplace, to give them a tour of the space, to be a person that they can ask the kinds of questions they might not want to ask their manager mm-hmm. has worked really well for us. Yeah, like a little buddy system. <laughs> you got it. I yeah. know that that a lot of organizations are are super small, um, uh, so so you know it may or may not be someone they're directly working with. But I think even just opening up that conversation to say, "Hey, in those first few days, I'm here to help you out," and if you have any, there are no silly questions at this stage, and and for it not to be for there not to be any barriers or hesitation to ask those.
0: I love that let's fast forward a little bit. We've, first of all, does that cover the onboarding process? Like if we, you know, prepare them in advance and set them up with a buddy, um, they show up, get started. How long does it take, uh, for them to really get settled? And then what kind of ongoing support do we, do we want to be providing?
2: Great question. So, um, you know, ideally, it does extend beyond the first couple of weeks, and, mm-hmm. and frankly, best practice would be to uh, continue that through the first three months, potentially even longer. Again, appreciating that, um, you know, if you're a small organization with very limited resources, that may or may not be super formalized or institutionalized. Mm-hmm. But I think just thinking about that period of the first three months as 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 a period in which um, the the new uh, employee or colleague will be working to learn about the organization and their role and responsibilities and will need that time to really understand what they can bring to the table and continue to do that.
0: In terms of this generation or you, you know younger people in terms of their ongoing work objectives I want to say like when they're looking to set themselves up for their careers at that early stage, how can we, meet their, not just their expectations, but their growth and development aspirations and really make sure, and maybe that goes to retention, but how are we keeping them engaged in the job at these entry levels?
3: So I'll speak from a perspective of a young person who, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a couple of years now, but I wouldn't stand <laughs> uh, so far out of touch from being an entry level person, kind of joining uh, a new job. And I think and when you're starting out, you're very eager. You want to know, like, what are the opportunities to advance in the workplace? How do you map out your career? How do you think about, like, five years from now, ten years from now? What can you be doing? And what really makes a difference is having someone that champions you at your workplace, like mm. somebody that can kind of mentor you through the process, sees the drive and ambition that you have and offers you kind of, Even if it's like a coffee every now and then to kind of talk through what you're interested in doing in the workplace, how they can support you, how they can make you feel like a member of the team. I think that really makes a difference. So it doesn't have to be a huge process, but having a, uh, someone that is willing to meet on a quarterly basis with you kind of go through how, you, how you're doing in the workplace, what kind of supports they can offer you, what projects you're interested in doing, what kind of professional development you want to do. I think that really makes a difference and can uh, keep young people loyal to a place and willing to stay there for a long time.
0: Amazing. And I just want to be crystal clear. This is, we're not talking about performance evaluation. This is more coaching, championing, supporting to make sure that beyond what's in their job description, these younger people, employee, employees are getting growth and development opportunities that will keep them challenged and wanting to, you know, continue to do the work and not looking for their next job. Is that fair?
2: For sure, yeah. Awesome. I I think um, that's a great question uh, uh, to sort of clarify. Are we talking about performance evaluations or appraisals? And and I think, you know, I'd I'd like to just spend sort of a minute chatting about that. Gone Mm -hmm. are the days of it being a once a year um, Mm -hmm. exercise or a moment in time. And frankly, one of the best ways to support growth and development will be from feedback that is ongoing and frequent.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think
2: it's a gift to receive and a and 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 a and a gift to to and a tool to use and share and and that's something that small, medium, large organizations has available to them. Mm-hmm. So working closely with the team, both managers and all employees, to really build that culture of ongoing and free frequent feedback. I think that that really um, bolsters those. Um, Check ins that Barira has described, and and the conversations around goals and activities that would work to support that. I think it ought not to be overlooked um, uh, the opportunity to to, to dish out um, feedback in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that that's something that we've been working towards, and and certainly see happening uh, at a number, you know, at a lot of other organizations now.
0: Hmm. And I think that also is just a better way for people to learn, right? I, in my experience with younger generations is that they want to be challenged. But to, to be challenged, you need to take on stretch you know, goals and, and new opportunities. And to do that in an effective way, you need feedback because we're inevitably not going to do it perfect uh so you need to take those as learning opportunities i think that our sector has a very low risk tolerance which means there's a lot of limitations around those stretch jobs or the the stretch assignments what have you observed is is there what role do those have in terms of developing
2: that younger workforce well
0: i can jump
2: in um You know, I think, and and Barir, I'm going to ask you to sort of like speak from your own experience, but -hmm. but the opportunity that we do have is to, I think, bring young new hires along uh, a journey with us. So I think about myself and the projects that I've um, had the privilege of of leading and working on here at Civic Action. And it can be as simple as inviting team members to uh, a meeting with a donor or a funder or a partner, um, having them observe, shadow, participate, uh, engage in conversations and and begin to contribute to those conversations and and creating the space for that to happen. That is, I think, where you start to see that stretch, that growth, that comfort level and that confidence build.
0: Are there any other tools that employers should be accessing to help them attract, retain, and uh, and support this young generation,
2: so we've developed a tool that 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 is across the the spectrum. Mm-hmm. We called Hire Next. It's available for free to employers at HireNext.CivicAction.CA.
0: Amazing. In
2: as little in as little as ten minutes, employers can take a self assessment mm-hmm. and receive three tailored. Recommendations for their organization. There are, there are three modules. So, employers can say, We're really struggling with sourcing and recruiting. Like, we're not getting the applicant pool we want. It may not be diverse enough. Um, it may not reflect the skill set we need. So, we need to really focus on, on amping up our recruiting strategies. So, they can dive deep in, into just that area. But if they're equally interested in screening and selection, And or onboarding and retention, they can take the full assessment. The three recommendations come with tools, resources, templates, worksheets, videos, case studies. So it's really intended to provide guidelines and templates that can make it more easy to implement into the organization.
0: Excellent. That's such an incredible resource. I'm so happy to be able to share that with our listeners. Do you find that? all the, like through that diagnosis or diagnostic test, the recommendations are fairly diverse or are there some trends that you see?
3: So I think diving into, so we have access to kind of who has taken the assessment and what are the challenges that they have outlined. Mm -hmm. And I would say uh, a lot of our users at over 30% are actually in the nonprofit sector. So we have kind of a View of what the challenges in the nonprofit sector are as as it relates to young people on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the main ones are around retention. Like there are a lot of a lot of nonprofits struggling with keeping the t- the talent that is joining their organization, making sure that they're able to retain them in the organization. So we offer some resources around that. Like what are some best practices, what are ways that you can make sure that the the young people that have joined your organization continue to stay there. And that kind of talks about the onboarding and retention process that we were mentioning earlier and they're accessible mm-hmm. in the hire next tool so retention making sure that yeah, there's flexibility making sure there's opportunities to grow in the sector are really mm-hmm. really important because people that are joining it are interested in doing meaningful work they want to do things that reflect their values that reflect the, the goals and the passions that they have so just going that extra step of making sure that we are offering them the Opportunity to grow uh, will make a big difference.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that insight around meaningful work Mm -hmm. is so important because that's been my experience and from other people I've talked to. But it's also sometimes it can feel really difficult when you're talking about an entry level position to find ways to make it meaningful beyond just like, oh, we're working for a good cause. But how do you make that day to day? feel like you're contributing in a meaningful way. So I think that's really, really important. Any insights of what you've seen work really well, even if it's, you know, a very junior entry-level position uh, that is more administrative in nature?
2: I mean, I'll I'll mention a couple of the recommendations that we've Mm -hmm. seen employers adopt and and it's a game changer in terms Mm -hmm. of the talent that they attract. So one um, I'll say is, starting with the job description or job posting. There's lots to unpack there, but bottom line is there are a couple of key pieces that candidates need to see and or want to see before they determine whether or not to throw their hat in the ring. And it's things like, what are they going to learn on the job? What are you willing to teach them? I think it's cool to acknowledge that like they may or may not have all the experience or skills you need and that you're making a commitment to help to hone those or build those. Mm -hmm. That's a really kind of neat and easy way to sort of say, Hey, we know you're just starting out and you're going to learn a couple of things and it could be formal, but it could also be just organic in the way that I've described. Mm -hmm. That's one key piece. The other key piece is looking at those requirements. And I think we all have a really bad habit Mm -hmm. of listing requirements that may or may not be necessary for the job. I think we've seen employers really assess those and right-size those. Like, do you really need an undergraduate or a graduate degree to do this work? Is that what you need? Or do you need a set of skills and competencies? And if it's about skills and competencies, we promote and encourage employers to list those, which Mm -hmm. can be gained through formal education. But they can also be developed through volunteer experiences, community experiences, rules and responsibilities people play at home
1: mm-hmm. in their
2: families.
0: I love that. And we have, I'm going to just reference one of our past podcasts. If you haven't listened to the episode with um, Maria Rotundo on hiring, we actually talk a lot about that, uh, how to figure out what the skill sets are that you're hiring for mm-hmm. and focus on that instead of more traditional, you know, this level of education or what have you. So, And there's quite a bit of evidence to also show that that's a best practice in equity and uh, inclusion. So,
2: Precisely. And, and I'll also add, we um, have worked to support the development of an, of an organization or initiative called NPower here in Canada. Mm-hmm. It had been around in the U.S. for 10 years, and then it started a few years ago here in Canada. It is a boot camp for IT digital skills, totally non-traditional. In a matter of 12 to 15 weeks, young people who may or may not have completed post-secondary, many of whom may not have, have the opportunity to be trained and, and get the certifications that employers are looking for. And, and frankly, they, if they were to see requirements of post-secondary um, education, might not be eligible. And that is the kind of work that we've seen employers do is to say, no, the talent coming through this program is amazing. We've got to update our job postings and descriptions to better reflect that talent might come from non-traditional referral partners or programs uh, and places and uh, and and that's you know been really exciting to to see um, employers find really great talent that grows and develops and advances in their organization beyond even that entry level.
0: This has been such a great conversation. I love I mean we hire a lot of young people in our company um, because I do find them to be incredibly hardworking and very keen on learning. this is great and i I definitely can feel and understand some of the challenges that traditional employment, it has to change, right? We have to think of adapting to make sure. I think a lot of what you've talked about will be true of any generation uh, in the workplace. And so I could see how this would impact that next generation, but also even help with hiring people who are more established in their careers. So. really, really helpful conversation. And I uh, so appreciate the resources you have available to the the community. Remind us again, where people can take the uh, assessment and get the incredible resources that you have available to help organizations, you know, retain, attract and retain this type of talent.
2: They're available at Hire Next. Mm -hmm. And it's hire next, mm-hmm. CivicAction.ca.
0: Perfect. Uh, any other thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with? I would just
2: say thank you. And <laughs> we feel you and we know what you're going through because we are ourselves a small nonprofit that, you know, is so committed to being an inclusive and supportive workplace. Um, and it, it it is a journey and it, it's, it doesn't end. And along the way... We've had to do the hard work of finding tools, finding best practices, figuring out what's going to work for us and or where to start. And we, uh, when we set out to develop Hirenext, wanted to make it easier and to take the guesswork out of that.
0: Mm -hmm. Amazing. I love what you're doing. I'm so grateful for you to be on this podcast, sharing those resources with the sector. So thank you. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.